You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Mmm. Fem. Hey, Fem fam. Welcome hey, hey. to our first guest episode of this season. Season 15, you guys. Um, <laughs> if you are just tuning in, you're a brand new listener, listen to our last episode because that was the first episode of this season. And we have so many am- amazing other episodes in our backlog with so many amazing other guests. If you're a longtime listener, thank you, thank you, thank you always for your support. Um, always feel free to check us out at our website, femregard.com, and subscribe to our newsletter if you aren't already subscribed. We also have a Patreon with some exclusive stuff. You know, got to give you the whole gist just in case you're brand new to the show. <laughs> yeah, so we're both independent artists here. Like, we are not funded by some giant corporation or media company backing us. We are doing this show um, because we freaking love it. I think it's been now three years that you know and once the season hits and we are just honestly so honored to continue to do this and find amazing amazing people to connect with that in extension our listeners I feel like you guys get to connect with them and and get to know them more personally and follow them on Instagram and really like learn so much more from all these amazing people so thank you guys for for continuing to listen and supporting us in any way, you know, even commenting, liking that goes so far because we are still trying to grow, um, you know, the podcast and Femme Regard so that we can continue to do these things. Um, Cause it, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work, fam, but we love it so much. And speaking of, um, you know, connecting on Instagram and, and, you know, really building a community. We have a return guest today. Um, she appeared on season three or four. We met through Instagram. We developed a relationship solely through social media to the point where, you know, when she asked me to be the lead actress on her short film, I said, yes. And also crazy. It was not only the first experience that I had with her on a project but the first time I met her was on set and it was not weird it was amazing (laughs) so without further ado we have Miss Katrina Sobrero she is a Latina filmmaker writer director she really um just blows me away with the content that she is making I think you guys are going to learn so much from her in this episode um as we talk about Paulette it is a short indie film that's part of a series that she is creating called miscellanea miscellanea.tv is the platform that she's you know promoting her work and we really hope you guys check out her other shorts on there and yeah we're just excited to dive in talk about the messages of paulette that really you know is the backbone of what we at femme regard are about you know female empowerment owning your femininity your strength your sexuality I was sold the moment she just said any of that to me. And, you know, it was a really awesome film. And I think we get into um, more of the distribution stuff at the end. So definitely stay tuned. Because you guys will get a discount code as our listeners so that you can rent Paulette and watch it yourself. And... Um, also just want to mention, we gave the code out early to our newsletter subscribers back in December as well. So just another reason to sign up for our newsletter, support us, support our filmmaking friends, and trust me, it will come back to you because we all love to support each other in this indie film space. (laughs) So guys, tune in, enjoy, be inspired and learn something from Katrina. 
Well, Femme fam, we are so excited to have back one of our Femme queens back on the show, Miss Katrina Sobrero. She was probably on our season three or four, and I'm just excited to have her back on because in that time we did a project together. Um, it was so cool. So welcome, Katrina. Thank you for coming on this morning with us. And I just thought it was so cool that we met on the show. We really connected over Instagram, um, a great, again, a community that we built with the FemFam community, uh-huh. but it's been people like you that we've met, networked and met and then actually <laughs> became friends and did work together. And I think that's always just the biggest, I think that's the biggest gift to us, I guess. That's what we mm-hmm. care about the most. And um, what I really loved too was, and we can we can circle back, but even when Katrina and I met each other, like in person, it was literally the first day on set. And (laughs) I just remember walking up being like, why am I not nervous? Like, I literally don't know this girl, but I I know her. And that's what it dawned on me. Like, we've really throughout the pandemic, that was also just another extension and layer of, of how distant everyone was from each other. But I think it's a really true testament when you connect with someone on the same messages and themes and and the projects that you're working on when you're just really, we had those moments and we'll, we'll share that with the community. But I just wanted to throw out there how freaking cool that was. And um, just to know that I, I did, you weren't a stranger and that we really did form a connection and why I am so excited to talk about Paulette. Um, the project that we worked on together today. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me again on the podcast. It is an honor. And I'm so excited to talk about this project. And I do, it is like, Instagram is, you know, maybe you could um, say it's like over social media, but the connection was real because when we met in person, we forgot that there was no personal connection initially, that it just felt very natural. And I think that contributed to having an amazing experience with working on this project together. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And what was it? I'm trying to take it back. Do you remember exactly when during the pandemic? I think it was like 2019. Yeah, it was like. It was definitely before the pandemic, right? Before it actually started. I, oh my gosh. Because we saw Paulette pretty quick into the pandemic. So I feel like our connection, we met in end of 2019 and then. We connected and then we started shooting, right? Wasn't it? It was probably towards, because I remember we had to, there was two shoot dates. We did the one in the studio yeah. setting and then one at the pole dance studio. Yeah. And so I think the first one, yeah, I remember we had to wear masks and and still yeah. like, I think we were literally, we shot this at some point during the pandemic when it wasn't before. <laughs> That's all I can say. I know we had no. masks. You know what? <laughs> It wasn't before we, I think it was 2021. The dates is Yeah, I know. It blends together. They all blend together. Ever since 2020, it's like time doesn't exist. Yeah, it's crazy. 2020 to 2022, like I feel like blend together. But yeah, it was definitely 2021. We were a year into the the pandemic, but it was still very strong in the mask. And it was still like a scary situation to catch it. So we were definitely recording with masks and everything and had to follow the protocols. And so- yeah, everyone literally kind of just met each other that day too. It was very like, mm-hmm. you know, but I loved that everyone came in with the same like level of respect and empathy for each other that it just made 
it not so scary for a time yeah. that was so like scary to shoot. Like we were so grateful. <laughs> we yeah. were like, we're here. We're, we're on set, this. finally. Thanks to you. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's <laughs> kind of something back. we talk about a <laughs> yeah. lot, right? Like about setting that um, that expectation and that mood and that vibe on set is like, it's so important. You know, you want to make everybody comfortable and especially in a time when it's like, you can't be comfortable anywhere. Like, you know, to really set that, that everybody is just happy to be there and happy to work with each other. Yeah, exactly. And we got a good team too. We had a good cast and crew. Everyone was just excited and wanting to create. So we, we lucked out and I lucked out because I was able to get a really good TP because the jobs weren't you know, I wasn't competing with commercial jobs and mm-hmm. other bigger jobs at that time because they weren't able to, you know, go through the pandemic protocol at that time. Smaller, smaller indie projects were able to because they we had like a smaller crew and things like that. So right. it's kind of a blessing a little bit for, for us for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in your words, um, tell our audience about Paulette and what the story is. Yes. So um, Paulette's about... Um, Starring you, Carolina, and oh my gosh, hi! <laughs> and um, her name is Crystal in the story, and she goes on this journey to discover her powerful female energy and the right to express it. And it's set in the pack, the backdrop of the pole fitness community. And um, the reason why we set set it in the backdrop of the pole fitness community, it's a very strong community that maybe doesn't have the media exposure yet. So um, we wanted to, and it's also like, if you've ever taken a class, it's really diving into your sensuality and your female energy and sexuality Mm -hmm. and things like that. So it just kind of go, went hand in hand with the story that we wanted to tell for this character's arc. So it worked really well. And I love that when you had brought that to me too, you displayed it, you know, comparing it to like the masculine strength and energy and, you know, like they're able to flex their muscles on the field all day long and and really, you know, use their bodies Mm -hmm. and everyone like celebrates that. But sometimes we feel that when women put, you know, in the pole fitness, it is a lot of strength. (laughs) I saw, I got a glimpse of that, a lot of work and, you know, they're showing off their bodies in a sense and in a way that is strong and empowering, but it can get Mm -hmm. some slack. Uh, Women get slack for, for doing that. And I thought that was a really, and also a unique reason to why you said it there in that, in that, in that setting. Yeah. I started, I did pole fitness um, years ago now, <laughs> like it takes me to sound um, aged, but I think like eight years ago. Oh so gosh, she one... has moves. I've seen them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you have to keep up with the workout because you can lose them very easily. It takes definitely a lot of um, muscle strength. So I'm trying to gain back the, when at my pole fit, my ideal, when I was like really, really good. I'm trying to get back there, but it's taking some time. And also the pole you know, your, your, the friction of your skin is what keeps you on the pole. So it's, it's, um, building the pain tolerance again and stuff. So oh, it's yeah. like, you, I was bruised yeah. <laughs> and you do Completely bruise, but, bruised. <laughs> and it, it just goes to show you your body really does adapt because you won't bruise anymore and you won't feel the pain yeah. anymore once you just keep doing it. It's crazy. And so it doesn't, it doesn't, um, maintain, like once you build the pain tolerance, you're able to do it with no pain at all. But I think we shot you, Carolina, doing the first, like the first time you ever did any pole moves, we shot it. So it was very genuine in your response and your reaction. And it was really entertaining <laughs> to watch, I think. As a so 
Yeah, and, I love that. Because, like, I, I got to watch it recently, and I was just excited to see it, of course, because it was, you know, the project that you both worked on. But, like, I was genuinely impressed. It was such a good film. And, yeah, Aww. seeing that, I was like, oh, I bet this is real. Like, this is her first time doing it. Like, it was adorable. <laughs> but, like, I mean, it is. Like, it's so incredibly difficult. I have a lot of friends that either are currently or used to be involved in the pole fitness community. And like, I tried it one time, like got to take one free class. And I was like, I don't know if I can, not if I can do this. I know I could have pushed myself, but I was like, mm -hmm. I don't think I'm ready for this. So it is incredibly difficult, but it's so awesome to see and to, I'm sure, experience once you get to that level that you're like, you know, just confident and feel sexy and feel strong. And yeah, mm -hmm. it's amazing. Yeah, I think I think we got you some pole classes. So when you were doing the extra pole classes, you're natural. I definitely think you can catch on. But <laughs> sometimes Thanks, girl. Not, it might not be everybody's experience because I think I started at pole actually my first class was like 10 years ago. And then I didn't touch the pole for like two years because it's like, this is so hard. It hurts. It's not for me. But then I was like, no, I wanted to try it again. So then I tried it and I pushed myself. And there's a point where after you push yourself, it comes really natural mm -hmm. and then it comes up easier. But um, yeah, so when we I started, it was really looked down upon um, even eight years ago. And I'm glad we progressed so much. I feel like it's more um, acceptable and we can see it as a sport. We can see see the benefit of it. But back then, I we would, any girl that did pull, and a lot of the girls out in the film started when I started. That's how I, um, we met each other. So we've had similar experiences to being put down. Like, oh, are you trying to be a stripper? Oh, like, why are you posting these you know, videos kind of like downgrading and not, and nothing's wrong, you know, and then it's like, what is wrong with being a stripper when those girls make their money off of showing off their female sexuality and men show off their masculinity and make millions of dollars all the time. So why is it frowned upon? It's like, we're trained as a society when we see a girl, you know, dancing on the pole, we instantly, you know, back then looked down upon it, like, oh, what is yeah. she trying to do? She's just trying to get attention. And that's even... Oh, yeah. It's just for attention. That's exactly mm -hmm. the the toxic yeah, phrase I've heard over and over again. Just even, I think we related on this when we were first talking about the project of posting just like sexy pictures of yourself on Instagram, like whatever, like to me, when I do that, it's because I feel like I look good and why not? Like, if I want to mm -hmm. throw a pick and the back of my mind to have, you know, maybe a toxic ex-boyfriend of mine or an employer, you know, comment on it in that way. It's it's so disrespectful and just like you got to stop like that's that's why. Why is it that a man could do the same thing? Have a shirt off mm -hmm. photo. You know, maybe he's feeling himself, which is I'm here for it. Feel yourself. Show those abs or whatever you got going on. But why is it when a woman does that, like we get a different treatment towards it? <laughs> yeah. So I think you and I really bonded on on that too in the beginning and, and like further extending of outside of even just pull, like women just posting up themselves. Why is it that we get that kind of slack? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then with the pole fitness community, it's very supportive. Like if, if you've ever been in there, it's just like the female energy. We all support each other. We all cheer each other on. And it's like, finally, we come together, you know, Yeah. because men have been doing that for, for so long. So it's just, it's just really cool energy to be around. And I think it just really helped accentuate the story and the story that we're trying to tell. And even I've been to like a pole fitness class today and just going off of like, just talking about posting pictures that we feel sexy in. 
these um, some of the girls were like, oh, there's like you have to divide the class at the end when we start filming each, um, our moves and stuff because the some of the girls don't want it to be. They're like, oh, I don't want my boss to see it. I don't want because they're afraid to be taken less professional if they show they they're doing pole fitness, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. just crazy that it's still even a thing today. Like, I don't feel like they should fear it. But unfortunately, they have to just because of certain circumstances. So hopefully, like this definitely gets the word out and starts, you know, showing off like you can be a powerful female and work hard and be a boss bitch and express your femininity and post this. Like, yes. That can be that can coexist. Yeah. Even beyond people's like moral attitude toward toward it or whatever. It's like that has nothing to do with my work life, first of all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, you should not judge my personal life. But like, if you're my boss, you have nothing to do with that. Stay out of my life. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? I, that's an attitude I have beyond just, you know, whatever your opinion of that is. But then, yeah, it's like, it it, it doesn't affect how productive you are, how professional you are, how mm-hmm. how good of a girlfriend, how good of a mother, like any of that. Like you are, this is some, this is a hobby. This is your, something you're pursuing. This is your art. This is your strength. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It just, I'm like it blows so my mind over it. Think like that. Yeah. I've had like, you know, before I landed this recovery recent job, I went through so many interviews and I had like a woman be really inappropriate with me once. Like oh. I gave her all my professional, like, Femme regard and I had mm-hmm. some like other just like social media links to show off like what I could do mm-hmm. and she clicked around and what ended up on my personal and like went right to like some bikini photo and made a comment about my my nice apple bottom and I'm like excuse me this is just so uncomfortable like I'm taking I'm I've given her no like reason to go there and that's where like she went and like still then made me uncomfortable about that. And that's when I went private because I'm like, you know, I can't do this. I can't risk it because it's still an issue today. Like both men and women looking at that. And, you know, I'm hoping that changes um, because, yeah, it's definitely still like an issue (laughs) where it's like, you know, if you're going to my personal space, that is going to be a little bit more personal to me. So. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah I can still hustle and be a boss but like also be sexy about it if I want to on my own mm-hmm. personal thing too so yeah exactly. it's just like super annoying yeah. <laughs> yeah I yeah. was like okay and it's it's crazy because sometimes that's even comes from a female so mm-hmm. it's like you think exactly I was like what other. yeah but it's like something just we've been trained with since we've been young you know so it's almost like at least we're expanding our mind and our consciousness to believe other truths, you know, that those things right. can coexist being a businesswoman and showing off your sexuality when you feel like it. But, you know, some people are behind or just don't believe in that. And that's crazy. What I was just curious to know that situation. She obviously said it in a way that made you uncomfortable. She wasn't like, oh, cool, like picture, like supportive. No, so what, there was like what that was undertone. That it was like the mm. undertone of like, I'm showing you all my professional links. And then you go on to, and she's like, oh, like, um, cause I had like, it was like a red bikini pic too. I yeah. super hot guys. Like definitely <laughs> you, you want to go back down, down the timeline. Is looked it, is, real good. Is that <laughs> I was what we used in the video? Cause we used a red bikini picture. <gasps> That's the one. Oh my God. <laughs> the layers. 
Oh my God. Yes. That's crazy. What a coincidence. Guys, a little hidden gem mm -hmm. there. That is hilarious. Um, because I, in the film, I have a toxic boyfriend who, you know, doesn't want me posting sexy pics. And guys, I've been in this situation. Another thing Tessa, I mean, Tessa, Katrina, <laughs> Katrina and I bonded on, I'm sure Tessa too, a lot of women have this like experience where the guy doesn't want you like isn't confident enough in the relationship to want you to express yourself the way you want to and the way think, things that make you feel sexy. So um, in the film, I'm struggling that with my relationship. And and so, yeah, I, I catch him cheating on me, kind of like looking at other girls and liking other girls' photos. And we use that bikini pic. So I'm dead. Um, so Inception, it was me all along. Ha, ha, ha. Um, <laughs> You heard it first here, a little behind the scenes. But yeah, it that that's that was the one, and it was like she yeah the way she said it was like oh you have an apple. It was so weird. <laughs> like who says that? You have an apple. Like it like do I take that as a compliment or do I find that kind of creepy? Like we're in it's it's just inappropriate. We're we're in a work meeting like. Mm. I mean, not meaning an interview, like you shouldn't be commenting on my physical traits, even if it is kind of complimentary like that. That's not that's weird. Like we don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like that to me, I feel like was making it unprofessional from like. Yeah. It, she was making it unprofessional. My photo is yeah. that's not my professional mm -hmm. site. That's not what I was showing you. So yeah. it, I think that's what was ironic <laughs> the situation. Yeah. yeah. And that's what happened. It's crazy because nowadays, I mean, Instagram is is like your resume. People go on it to to vet you as an employee if you're looking to get hired, as just even as like us as filmmakers, I'm sure people go on it. So it's crazy. It's it's part of our part of our calling card, I suppose, but I Absolutely. feel like there's still room to post other things, you know, like what we feel like posting, but yeah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the interview, your red bikini picture. Yeah. But that's what I love about the characters in Paulette is like, you kind of get to see like where they're all coming from, right? Like the boyfriend's actively toxic, <laughs> let's be real. But like <laughs> the mom, for instance, you know, she's super judgmental, but you see that she's coming from a place of love. You you mm -hmm. kind of, you get to hear her argument, but then you get to hear Carolina's character's argument back. And hopefully maybe, you know, people watching that do think like the mom, they don't maybe don't get to have that conversation in real life like she get right. got to have with Carolina's character, you know, so maybe mm -hmm. they get to hear that and they're like, oh, OK, I guess they didn't think about it that way. You know, so I think that's what like films like this hopefully get to give people those different perspectives and they get to see both sides and get to understand like, oh, OK, so this this is where this empowerment is coming from. This is why, you know, people think this way. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I definitely wanted the characters that even though they're the antagonists and not the, you know, they're the negative of the story, I still really wanted them to have their point of view and why they mm -hmm. think that way. Because I think that can be more powerful than just making it a little bit more one dimensional and making them the evil character. I want them, their viewpoint to be expressed because there is really people that think like that. And I think there's room to see their point of view and understand that so we can enlighten them on you know how we view things and I think you know the older generation thank goodness my mom is not like that in the story mm -hmm. but my grandma is very very much like that she's very just like but she's 
you know, and, and a lot of girls that do the pole fitness communities, they do have moms that are like that, you know, or parents that are like that. Right. And, Cause we've talked about, we get close and we, we can talk about, we talk about those things and it's not that they're being judgy, you know, as we initially think they're just coming from a different time and they mm-hmm. just, maybe they're coming from like love almost. And just like, we're trying to protect you. Like we don't want you being portrayed as a slut or this girl that sells her body or just posting these pictures. We want you to be, get married and have a boyfriend as the mom is expressing. And, um, and Liliana does an amazing job like portraying this character. <laughs> Yeah, she she said she was her favorite. Yeah, this is like the first thing I texted Carolina. I was like, I love this woman. (laughs) I don't agree with her. I love her, which I I agree. Loved working with her. It was the best to react of. I tried to not (laughs) laugh sometimes because her reactions were just so good. Well, she's also a comedian, so it was really hard not to laugh because she would like throw in things and it would get so funny. Uh, Her face was so funny. I was like, oh my god, I'm getting (laughs) scorned right now. The Latina scorn. Yeah. She's on the sacrifice on BET with Paula Patton, so definitely check that out. Plug her in. But yeah, so yeah. Well, I would love to get into that more. You mentioned she's a comedian, so she would throw stuff in because you had a script treatment for this one, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't like full lines written out. So I'd love to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So with this story, as you know, as as I'm developing more and more. um, as deeper into storyteller, it's I figured what it's it's hard to figure out. I guess what goes with with um, the story as far as the script. Sometimes I feel like the dialogue you can be really. It just it depends what the story is called for. And this one, I just felt it just using improv based and just having more of a treatment. And just with each scene, we kind of had the story arc, what was going to happen in the scene, so the characters knew the gist of it, but they can go wherever they want because maybe a different turn might be more valuable, was more important with this story just because it was more of a true story and just hearing like more natural dialogue and experiences was going to be more beneficial than anything I could write because then it could Mm -hmm. maybe get too on the nose and be a little bit more of a telltale than than a story that you can really get in the character's emotion because you really don't know what the actor's going to say you know, because we're improving it. And that was a, that was my first time shooting an improv script. So it was scary initially. First time but... acting it. I was so scared. <laughs> I was like, I, what? Like, I never thought of myself as like an improv queen at all. I was like, I can't, I don't you, know. <laughs> and you are an improv queen because you did such an amazing job for not having any improv experience, by the way. Because Thank you. improv experience it was takes super time. scary. <laughs> but it, it's, and it's really hard sometimes maybe to trust yourself as an actor to like, to be just to go there, but it was really natural for you. I mean, you guys were killing it and you did amazing on set. Oh my God. Shout out to David, my toxic boyfriend in the the film. He was amazing to work with because literally we just met ourselves. We met each other for like two seconds. Super sweet guy. Next thing you know, he's an (laughs) asshole. And you're like, here we go. But he was saying exactly what I needed to be triggered and to go into the place Mm -hmm. and I think what helped, um, and I really loved Katrina's approach to this, was that we we had a couple Zoom rehearsals, but for the most part, I think we didn't really, really rehearse, which also could seem really scary for this, mm. but we mainly just talked about the, th- the themes. I think the themes of like being, you know, in a toxic relationship and shut down and, and then like, you know, how... I have struggled with that and how this character can then pull that, that emotion and that struggle. 
And then, yeah, like I'm first generation American. So like having that Latina parent is is what I have. <laughs> so like, again, going there because I know that there's it comes from a place of fear that what Tessa was saying earlier, it's like it's just fear based. And I, I do hope mm-hmm. that the mess like, you know, hearing Crystal's side of of why she wants to pursue something like this is just so she can actually elevate herself and not rely on a man to to pay the bills and and be the like person controlling every situation in her life like we don't need we don't need the white man to save me it's going to be okay (laughs) it'll be okay um yeah yeah that's amazing because david also i think did a really good job portraying this character as making him more than just one dimension like he was like able to to express and like be this boyfriend that loved you but was very flawed in his views you know but who's I think did a really amazing job expressing it he and did. He's, he's such an amazing actor because I make him play because we've worked together on so many projects <laughs> I make him play like the good guy the bad guy like he just does it <laughs> a ghost in another project so Oh my gosh, he was so no right because we had moments too. It wasn't like straight fighting all the time, guys. Like we're like literally cracking little jokes at each other as if we were in a freaking relationship. Like mm-hmm. I was blown away by how like instant we were able to just tap in and be like, okay. "Oh, we're making fun of Netflix and like you know whatever." I loved those moments. So yeah, he was he was spectacular. Um, but yeah, it was. It's called a line script. What what is it? I, you said the term earlier to me when we when it's all improv based. So oh, for audience, a scriptment. I think it's called a, a scriptment. Yeah. yeah, I think um, referring to as a scriptment, where so it's not entirely a full script. It's like a little bit between a, tr- a treatment and a script, um, kind of like an outline of just each story, um, each scene, each act, and then like where we're going. You know, just like a basis of like the characters. I can even send um, a sample of the one we used um, for the viewers to kind of see what the <gasps> scriptment looks like. But um, yeah, yeah, that would so, be awesome. We'll post it up. Yeah. So I think um, yeah, just with storytelling, it's 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 like which one works best. Like sometimes rewriting, rewriting, rewriting really works. But sometimes I've learned that can kill the story too. So it's like finding the nice balance of like okay two rewrites I think this is this is it because you can overwrite rewrite it mm-hmm. and then sometimes like just like what we did improv based really worked well so um with this story so I'm really excited for everyone to see it yeah. and it, and also we did um base it in the studio location um just in this one studio we rented for the day it had multiple locations so as any film, filmmaker that was beneficial and using a scriptment, we can see where we want the locations and the scenes to take place. We can um, alter, okay, we have a restaurant. Let's use this restaurant location. I think the benefit of using a studio location over using um, like renting um, like, in a, like a restaurant or an apartment is that you don't have to do company moves. Like everything's on the location. Yeah. So initially like renting a restaurant would be cheaper or renting um, an apartment that we used for the, the place would have been cheaper but then overall would it saved us time because everything was in one location and we can get all the scenes done. You know, we shot like 30 minutes in one day because one, it was improv. And then two is because everything was in one location. So even though the studio 
overall was more expensive. It saved us money and time just being able to condense it all. Because company moves are, I think, what take the most time. And my next trip, there's definitely company moves. So I'm like a little nervous. But um, if you have worked on a set where you had to move locations, it takes so much time. So that's like the benefit of using studio locations. So I'm definitely, and then the audio too, because you're in one location. Also, when I worked on like indie films and we like rent, not like big budget films, because I worked on bigger budget films and they have the luxury of paying for space and like trailers, but on indie films, they don't have the luxury. So when we shoot on location in like a house, let's say, mm-hmm. there's like moving, like where you're shooting in one room and then you use these rooms for the makeup, for the equipment. And then when you're switching rooms, everything's got to switch. So it's it's almost like a company move. At least you're not like having to break down and load in cars and then right. unload and, and then build the camera and everything. But it still takes time because now you have to shuffle everything. You have to move everything. So that can be the downfall of shooting on location. But then um, as opposed to shooting in a studio, because you have the space for the equipment, you're never going to have to really shuffle around. Mm-hmm. Um but then on location does give sometimes the more genuine look and feel depending on what you're going for because <laughs> you can really get creative and find a good location that has like that that right. cool look you're looking for whatever that may be so there's that benefit too but but yeah that's what I wanted to say as indie filmmakers because I know those are the ones that are listening a lot to this podcast there's a lot of benefits shooting studio definitely um it's been successful for me so yeah definitely. Yeah, Shout out no, to Envisionate was... because uh, I was telling Carolina, I was like, especially the bar scene, I was like, oh my gosh, the amount of things I have shot in that bar set at Envisionate over the years. Um, so highly recommend yeah. anybody in the Burbank area. Envisionate Studios is great. Um, Nick is awesome. He's the owner. I love them. Yeah. They're amazing. I, it's yeah. amazing. But Actually, like, yeah, yeah, I want to shout out to Envisionate just because they just really, really are really nice people. They like hook us up. They always are just you know, just down to like help you out. They're not like going to like, I think other locations I've actually, I don't know if I've even shot at another studio besides Envision 8 for my own productions. Um, Oh, I shot at Avenue 6 before, but um, Envision 8 just really, really good at catering and helping the indie filmmaker. They're not there to like add additional fees, which I know happens a lot when you at other studios I've heard. It's like these hidden additional fees and they're they're just like all inclusive and they're not trying to like rip anybody off and they're just really supportive so definitely promote would love to shout them out for being amazing yeah and I would like to shout you out because yeah like so the studio has so many different rooms that we could work up with and you were set up so fast like the amount of different takes like I guess you little shots the different shots and the different rooms that we worked in you worked so fast that we got yeah like you said 30 minutes done of the film like made so how what what I get what tools led you to being able to be so successful to getting that many different like I think it was 16 setups that we yeah. did that day I remember it being like around 16 and I was like what yeah, that's this is impressive. crazy, but it made me really excited because I know with our feature, we're not going to have a lot of days to just do like, you know, 
as much we are going to need to move. So I would love to hear like what you think helped you be really successful to get all those takes in one day. And it wasn't it was it wasn't also like exhausting, guys. Like it was fun. Like we we just kept moving and moving and moving. It was a long day, but it was it was so much fun. Yeah, I think what I what I do on my sets, and I'm not sure if like it'll benefit or be useful for other people, but it's really useful for me. I know um do a ton of takes. Like I think even for us, Carolina, we did only one takes. So it would be on <laughs> you for one take, and then it would be on David for one take. So that whole Scene. And you went to cry. <laughs> like, yeah, here it is. This is the moment. One take. Let's go. <laughs> Get so, in. <laughs> exactly. We, I think, only did one takes for you, for that. It was you. And then, and we didn't, I also didn't do a ton of coverage. So it was like just you <laughs> and then David. I didn't even do a two shot because it can be tricky with improv. Like I would get normally a two shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we had a, a lot to cover. And I think um, with improv, it's hard to like kind of blend those those in because and you're in a different spot here talking and then it's just easier to just get cut away as opposed to doing a two shot if that makes sense I don't know yeah because for continuity you can't like go back to line whatever can you say that again and get it exactly the same exactly so with the two shot we're going to be beneficial but usually I would definitely get a wide and then uh, different types of close-ups like maybe one close-up of this actor and another close-up of this actor in that way, but I wouldn't um, take do multiple takes, and I wouldn't yeah. do a lot of coverage. That's like how I shot um, all the episodes in this series is not a ton of coverage and not a bunch of takes, which the actors don't get tired in the end. They because I think doing multiple takes, I think some actors there is definitely actors that like a lot of takes because they get um, more in the groove of it and able to be more expressive towards further takes, but some actors don't like that so the actors that maybe need a little bit more time to warm up would be like we'll do the later takes we'll do the wide and then the close-up on the opposite actor and then by the time we get there they're they're good to like they're warmed up they're ready to go and um able to be expressive as an actor so that's what that's like I would figure as a director which ones need a little bit more of a warm-up and which ones are better um going first and then use that to shoot like the wide um, depending on sometimes the, there's definitely actors that their first takes are like the best. So I would do maybe the close-up on them the best, Oh, do the close-up first. Um, and that's just getting to know your actors in just in real time and rehearsals and things like that. I definitely love to, we didn't rehearse Carolina too much, but usually I like to rehearse a little bit, not a ton, but just, just to kind of know where we're going. Um, yeah. not where yeah, I don't rehearse a ton, but definitely um, for scripted, I like to rehearse and do readings just to get a little bit more in tune. So then when we get on set and we don't have that much time, everyone's kind of knows where we're going. So it's not even, I don't have to do a ton of like, hey, we're getting the actor to get here because we already kind of know um, mm-hmm. where we're trying to get. So I think that helps save so much time when you're shooting because right. the actors already know where we're going. Um, also having a good team because they set up fast talking to your DP because I know that's a, that can be a really big struggle with indie filmmakers and you're as being the director hiring a DP is definitely key because they have to be down to move fast yeah because DPs are perfectionists they want it to look beautiful that's their job but right. also they have to they have to know how to move with any film so that can be I think 
um, that's why you see like directors and DPs, that's like they butt heads a lot on set, especially any film sets because they need more time, but the, the time's not there. So finding a DP that's just knows how to make it look good fast, the best that it can be. And that moment for the time that you have is definitely key because I know we all, that's a good point. More time, you know, helps it, but it's like, it doesn't need to be perfect, especially for indie filmmaker. It's like, it's about getting the story there. And I think if the story's there and the audience can connect with it, the characters are there, then I think that that's really what the audience doesn't notice that, you know, the lighting isn't, you know, perfect. They just are into the story. So, right. Yeah, the story is is what is really going to grab someone in at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Where that's the bite, that's the sound bite we're going <laughs> with. That's perfect. Well said. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah, that you and the DP were on it because it was like on another level. And I'm like, oh, this is what I like. Because again, too, for me as the actor, I wasn't exhausted. To your point, mm-hmm. too, by the end of the day, like mm-hmm. from having to give, give, give like a million takes, like on the same thing. I'm I'm definitely a we got it. Let's move it on. And it can be hard. It can be, it can be like, oh, because people will start to be like, don't you think we should get another take? Like, and then you can start to doubt yourself. But if you know this is, you got it in that take, then it's just, it's easy to move on. But definitely it can be scary because like, wow, we just did all that setup and now we're about to just move again, Yeah, you know, but that's the <laughs> secret of getting a bunch of, uh, a whole film, you know, done quicker. And- I think that that like synergy and communication too is so important because, you know, as an actor, if you're doing three takes of this same angle, the same setup from the same scene, I'm like, are you doing this just to have the coverage? Are you doing this because you want something different? Are you doing this to allow me to try something different? Because Mm. that's a struggle too as an actor. The more takes Mm. I do, I'm like is this, are you going to edit these together so I should be doing the same exact thing for for continuity or are you doing this so I can try something different? Communicate Mm. to me as the director so I know what you want, you know? So I think that that's so important. That is huge. And I do see that happen sometimes. There's not communication there. So I love that you bring that actor space point up, Mm -hmm. Tessa. That's definitely how I start to feel unconfident as an actor too. I'm like, why are we doing this again? Did you like it? Yeah. And I think di- directors could sometimes yeah. work on giving that. That was perfect. We just need it. Like communicate exactly. Like we just needed to get a, a, big, a bigger shot. But it's everything the same. So even like those little yeah. things, I think, um, I think if directors are listening to this, like it's fine. Like, but definitely help keep communicating with your actor. Like they mm. can't read your brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good note to remind us directors, because sometimes if we're just like moving, we just need to remind, we just hearing it from your perspective, it's like, oh, okay, they need to know this, they need to, it's, it seems like it's common sense, but there's so much going on in the mm-hmm. production, and then that's the most important, is knowing the actor knows what is going on and what's, what's happening next, so they can flex what they need to flex. <laughs> yeah. So I would love to, before we reach the end of our episode, talk a little bit more about um, your whole project, Miscellanea, like all the different episodes, kind of what, um, I guess, you know, what's the glue that holds them all together? You know, what what's the ultimate purpose of this, I guess, or the ultimate theme, I should say, maybe. And then also a little bit into the distribution side of it, because I know you're, this is, distribution is new to you. You have your own platform, but, you know, going beyond that, like, what's that been like? Yeah, so... Um, during the pandemic, I think I want to say like right before 2020, 
I was going through the process of, of a script sale. So it finished in about like, probably like the start of the pandemic, lucky for me. And I was able to fund uh, my projects and I decided, okay, now I have this lump sum of money and this is what I've always wanted for so long. So I can make, a, you know, a bigger project invest back in my career, as opposed to like getting a place or whatever, like normal people would do. I was like, I wanted to invest in um, film projects. So um, I've been trying to work on a feature film, but I feel like naturally for me, I, I get fed like all these story ideas from whatever higher power, like constantly. So I write them down and I develop them and I'm, I just realized, okay, I know that sounds really corny, but um, I was like, okay, I can't, I don't feel like I have the time, the luxury. Cause as you guys know, feature films take, you know, the pre-production <laughs> yeah, it can take years. So I just don't feel like I have the luxury or for, it's not genuine to myself to just work on one story. So, you know, so I always would just work on short films. So now I was like, well, how can I make this into a bigger project? So that's where I came up with an anthology TV series, um, independently developed for this, for my first big project, as opposed to a feature film. Mm -hmm. And so each episode is a contained story um, and it has comedic elements that are similar, kind of surrealism um, that are common through lines, but there is no intentional common through line. That's why the series is called Miscellanea because I wanted to kind of feel like it's just going to be, I don't want the pressure of of what, of following maybe a through line when I feel more passionate about a story that doesn't have common denominators with the other mm -hmm. stories for future seasons or episodes. So um, so the only common through line is that it's maybe a, just an individual story mm -hmm. on its own. So just like mini story, short stories, and that really feels more natural to me. Mm -hmm. um, developing and as an indie filmmaker having the luxury of just developing my own material um and just wanted to invest in shorter stories and get it out there so and also just developing a feature film script as you know Carolina takes so much time and and just yeah. develop a whole story 180 pages so now I get to make like 20 to 30 pages and make a contained story and that can be tricky. Making short stories can be tricky as well. It's not as definitely deserves its credit because it's. I was going to say one is not less easier than the other, yeah. but I think you've found something like to your point that speaks to you. And that's the most important. You're like, mm -hmm. I want to tell these several short things. It doesn't need to be like maybe as big or as epic as a feature film in the mm. feature film landscape. Like you can still get your messages across just yeah. in a shorter time and, and play with the different stories you have in your head. Um, exactly. Because it's like, oh, and you would have to like, I have other stories in my head too, but I'm like, they're all feature films. So they're all going to take me a lot of years. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's fine. That's fine. But to your point, like you have the luxury to tell more and 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 that's congrats to you that's a huge accomplishment so I think it makes sense um but I just interjected yeah one is not like any less you know both are, yeah. both have their own hurdles yeah. definitely and you were definitely. saying what is what is another hurdle you think to a, a you know going with the shorts um definitely feeling like you're leaving something out so telling the whole story in 30 minutes you're initially, I think like the first draft, you want to get the essence of the story in, and then also telling it in an indie film 
in a way that you can produce as an indie filmmaker, um, can initially be like, oh, I'm maybe I should wait for this story because I can do it this way and that way if there's more funding. But then if you get down to the essence of the story, you realize you don't need all of that that you that you could have got with bigger funding. Maybe there's luxury not having a ton of money because you can tell maybe more of the story in your way and the essence of the story can be there. And then, you know, if you feel like developing further, you can sell it um, yeah. as an idea, as a script, you can develop it further if it's there. But I think just initially doing it, I think there's benefits. Um, it can seem like a downfall initially, but I think when you develop it, you're like, oh, wait, then I get down to the essence of the story and then I figure it out. So, so there's, there's pros and cons, but I think every con can be a pro that can come out of it. <laughs> yeah. So. There are no cons, just lessons and, and yeah. learned. <laughs> that's, that's the way I look at it. Like any hurdle exactly. that we faced, it's actually made us better. So exactly. First, it just feels like the end of the world. And then, right. Like, okay, wait, actually, I see the light, you know, <laughs> the tunnel, I see the light, but Distribution has definitely been tricky for me because it's my first time going through distribution. Um, I'm still learning as well. And there's definitely different ways that indie filmmakers can distribute. They can do self-distribution. Um, right now, it's on a platform, a Vimeo platform, Vimeo OTT, that's yes. able to host the content and you can stream it from mobile devices. Um, they don't have an app yet that you can access it on the TV. You would just have to go in your browser on the TV and type in the the URL and stuff like that. So it's not really ideal for the TV, but um, I do have it in Film Hub and there's Indie Rights, I think it's called, um, that you would send it to them. You download it. There's a lot of assets, requirements and, mm -hmm. and things like that that you have to follow. And um, you can send it to them and they're almost kind of like an agent. They take 10%, but they get your film to these streaming platforms and... Um, you can, I, you can, I think pick which ones, yeah, you can pick which ones you want. Like if you want to go AVOD and SVOD or whatever you feel like doing, but, um, AVOD I heard is like the new, is the new one to do because it's advertised based. It's free for the viewer. They just have to watch an ad, which is similar to like YouTube or something like that. Mm -hmm, and they right. just have to like make an account. So that's probably the best way that I'm trying to go. Um, because also then it's part of a bigger app and, you know, anyone can, right. can watch it. it can be part of like, you know, prime video and things mm -hmm. like that. So that's the goal on that. That just takes time though with it. I'm just waiting for it to be like submitted and stuff. So it's just like waiting, the waiting process takes forever. I feel like, and then, um, yeah. just the assets. Cause the assets are so big and mine aren't even as big as yours guys is going to be. Cause yours is going to be like a two hour right. film, just like people don't even know what goes behind maybe like just containing this two hour film because dragging it and dropping it to, to upload it to these distribution platforms takes quite a bit of time. And then if one asset and then it's felt and if it, once it loads and then there's a flaw, you have to delete it and re-export it, fix it, re-export it and then re-download it. So it takes so much time yeah. that you, and then for you guys, it'll be even, even longer for the two hours or right. a half. Um, and then you have to have a hard, you know, um, a fast, I feel like I'm getting bored with this. People no, like, no, this no. is, this is so true. And I think another like 
now working in post-production. That's like, yeah, this is like what I deal with every day. Um, and with these giant films, like we can't just like export and send it to a distributor to yeah. perform like instantly. And our, our sand space is always like yelling at us. Um, but I'm curious with, you know, you're speaking of assets, which I, I understand being in, in the post-production space, but for our viewers and to like, I haven't done it on like in this kind of setting. Is it like, you know, picture sound, like, do they, yeah. do they want it sent separately or are they both like compressed into the same, you know, file that they want the file size that they want? Yeah. So they'll have like a page and then you would upload it on the page and there'll be like key art. So each, um, streaming platform requires different dimensions for key art. So you have to, depending if you're in sending it individually or if you're sending it through like film hub, you just will upload all the dimensions and then they will um, distribute to the streaming platforms, which one they want, which dimensions they require for key art. And then you also need captions and, and trailer and then off and then your video file and things like that. So the video file has to match the, captions and everything like that right. and once that lines up and the frame rate you know and everything like that you just have to make sure that lines up and it just definitely a lot it gets tricky there's a lot of like things that you have to like learn about and figure out and things like that because certain captions and the export of that and also you know that oh, I know about captions file. now I know. <laughs> captions so I've learned about <laughs> captions so and then the video oh, file is a whole thing because sometimes you know yeah. You know, Prime Video wants um, not, they want like H264 is fine, and but like not in the original wrapper that it will be exported in. They want it wrapped in like MP4 or maybe it's, I don't know. It's like, I think they do. I think it comes in MOV and then they want it in MP4. MP4. So I'm like, yeah. oh, dang it, I just exported it. It's not what they wanted it. So then it'll take like MOV another. MOV is a larger file and then it's yeah. like the MP4 is smaller. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But that's a good thing for, you know, our audience to hear. It's like, it's a process, it's a learning curve and everyone can like do it. So the first time is always going to be a bitch. So don't like, yeah, cry about it. But then also just like, it'll be fine. Like everything will always work out. Yeah. And (laughs) like, is there a way, I guess, um, to like kind of see what these platforms are looking for ahead of time? Is that an advice you would give to someone looking to distribute them a VOD, you know, after they've, they've completed Uh, their project to like help know like, Oh, I didn't shoot it this way. Like, or I didn't get this key art. So from what I'm hearing, it's like, make sure you got there. If you want to go this route, you're going to need key art. You're going to need a trailer cut. And like, (laughs) you know, things like that, I think are kind of like good takeaways from this conversation that we're just getting because it can get really technical so quickly. Yeah, definitely (laughs) really technical, the distribution side. But anything you do on set um, won't matter as much as when you're going through distribution because the key art can just be, you just go with Photoshop or Canva and then get the dimensions and then export it. It's just doing it and and figuring out. Yeah, so it's not like difficult or anything that, have to worry so much on set um about it's just about doing it and figuring out what these things are that they're requiring because they use very technical language actually I feel like film hub's like a little bit friendlier but Amazon video direct 
uses very technical. So it's just getting used to it, just figuring out your first time is probably going to be a bit of a curve. And you're in the distribution side now, Carolina. So you're probably already got ahead, yeah. of, like all these terms and all these requirements. It's a, it's a whole language. It's a whole language. And yeah, it's, um, I'm working on a very, very crazy project right now with a ton of different frame rates, 2D, 3D. And yes, like when you go into downstream is what we call it for Amazon or Netflix. Like that's another like, yeah, they require different every every platform will require require different tech specs. And it's it's insane. But I'm like, OK, now I understand this. Like mm -hmm. when we go into distribution, baby, we got it. I know. So <laughs> like a heads up to filmmakers, too, if you're like, whoa, this sounds like too much for me. Maybe I'll just like put it on YouTube or whatever. Like also film festivals require this stuff, too. And it's usually oh, yeah. less yeah. than a distribution platform. But like it's still a lot of technical stuff that you still have to understand and make sure that you're sending them the right stuff. And especially like the level of the film festival, if it's one of the big ones, like they're going to require pretty much just as much as a distribution platform. So heads up, guys. <laughs> no, that's true. Actually, they do have like similar requirements. Sometimes it's like lower files, file sizes. So yeah. it can be a little bit easier. But then also like with your film, when you send it to film festivals, you're waiting to hear back and you can't distribute it yet because mm. a lot of like top higher tier mm. film festivals that you want to get into, if you send it to distribution, then then it gets worldwide distribution because Amazon Prime, you know, and then they don't want it because it's already been seen and it's out. And then you just paid 50 bucks or whatever for the festival. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot that goes into it. So with festivals, it's almost like you want to do that first. And then, but then Good, you have to I'm glad you said that. Back. <laughs> You're waiting to hear back before you send it because if you send it, once you send it to distribution, you don't really have control of when it goes on. You don't have that control. Once it's in, it's in. From my understanding and from doing it, you they don't even let you know when it's on. You just send it to them and it goes oh on. Oh my God. So that's why it's like you got to wait for that. But yeah, if you want to try to get to film festivals, which film festivals are really important. It just takes time, especially when you're trying to get, you know, pay a lesser fee because you don't want to pay the late fee. But then right. you have to wait eight months to hear back and stuff. So yeah, the whole I think that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really, really good point to to kind of like understand the timeline. And that's why we say before, like figure out your distribution plan before, like that should be part of your pre-production. It's just like understanding that. So that way you have a game plan and know like what to prepare yourself for. So as you're waiting and waiting, you know, yeah. like what's next. I think that's yeah. a really great point you made. Yeah. So it's, it's all part of the process though, it but is. it's such a long process though. It's, 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 um, but then you got your next short film. You're like, yeah. cool. Like that's what it's about. Like, you know, like that's don't feel like as an artist that you have to just sit and wait and wait, you know, like yeah. that, you know, keep your muscle, keep flexing those muscles in, in other ways. And I think that's why what you're doing is so smart and awesome because um, you're constantly like able to then jump around and, and figure out something next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And anyone listening, like, again, don't don't feel overwhelmed by this stuff. It is very overwhelming and that is a normal, natural feeling to feel. But when you let yourself, like when you start learning about just AVOD, SVOD, TOVD, like we've talked about this on the show before, like do your research and the more you start to learn the language, like in my job today, in the professional setting that I am in distribution, 
it's never the same thing. It is never the same situation. And my boss is just always telling me to just figure it out. Like Mm -hmm. go do detective research and figure it out because there is no training. (laughs) You just got to learn. And I actually kind of love that because that has been my experience with FemRegard and Tessa. Like we just learn everything ourselves. Mm -hmm. So you can too. Like even in the professional sense, it is just no one knows what they're doing. We're just all trying to figure it out to make this (laughs) film come to life. That is the truth. No one knows shit. Okay. So just (laughs) take a deep breath dive into your Google and some of the stuff isn't Googleable. And so that's when you, you know, try to find someone you can call and ask questions. And we've heard that sales agents and distributors, there are some lovely people out there that maybe you can connect with and just have a, have a chat. Mm-hmm. They're, they're there. Mm-hmm. They want to share. They want to connect because maybe you'll be their client. Maybe not. And that's okay. No pressure. You should not feel pressured. Okay. So <laughs> have those meetings. And I think that could also give you some insight, especially if you're new to this. So I hope that helps fam. We're always here. Um, Let's hear where all, you know, Katrina pimp yourself out the, your miscellaneous, you know, platform where they can see that the Paulette, um, your personal give everyone the tea. I'm sure she's someone to follow and use as a resource to fam. And of course, you know, me and Tessa are here for you as always. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, you can find the series and the episode Paulette on miscellanea.tv. And mm-hmm. then um, you can follow the TV series at miscellanea.tv on Instagram or my Instagram master contender. And um, yeah, I post mostly filmmaking stuff and I love to collab and meet new people. So if you're hearing this and are interested in connecting on Instagram, that's how me and Caroline have met. Um, I love to meet new people in, in the filmmaking business and collab and get together and things like that. So yeah, feel free to reach out. Yes. So listeners, make sure that you watch Paulette. Right now it's available on miscellanea.tv and will be available on streaming platforms very soon. Um, If you subscribe to our newsletter, you have already gotten a discount code to rent it. So make sure you take advantage of that. And if you are listening now and you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, we highly recommend you do. Just send us your email address, but we'll give you the code anyway. So you can get a discount on renting it. It is Fem, F-E-M-M-E, 30. So guys, make sure that you tune in. And again, keep a lookout on all the streaming platforms for Miscellanea and especially Paulette in the future. Yes, everyone go support Katrina, me, girl, go see me act. Um, Thank you for the (laughs) discount code to the Fem fam. We really appreciate it. And I just am so excited to see you grow as a filmmaker, the content you're putting out. It's been such a fun journey. Um, Love the support always. And yeah, Fem fam, go support your girls. We're here for it. So thank you so much for coming on today and talking about it with us. I think um, this was a very inspiring episode. But thank you for having me on. I'm super excited to be here and I love working with you guys and coming on this podcast. Love listening to you guys. So just an honor to be here. Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in every Friday for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals. We can only grow with your support. So please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also join the Fem Fam on Patreon. For more on us, check us out at femregard.com.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 